Well, I'm tripping major nutsack right now. Oh, Sethin! Welcome to the world of winning. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Switchback Formula One podcast. My name is Graham, and joining me, as always, it's the failed escape artist. It's Luke Holmes. Thank you for reminding me of how bad I am at escape rooms, Graham. Thank you very much. Hi. How are we doing? Not too shabby. Well, you 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 made it back home, so you weren't a, a trapped forever. But I did get handcuffed and blindfolded by a man, and then shoved up against the wall, Graham. So wow. My night, yeah, my night was very very weird. Friday, a very weird Friday. Just night. A, just a, just your standard Friday night. <laughs> Ruined my new shirt, but you know, if I'm I'm okay with that. Are you? Pounds. No. No. Literally, a brand new black shirt, and I got shoved up against a blooming rough wall. Stuck down in a chair and he handcuffed me up. I was like, oh, great. Oh, I'm, I'm definitely not getting out of here alive. Yeah. In a really rough area as well. <laughs> it was great. So what did you actually have to do? I've never been to an escape room, so what did you actually have to do? Besides so, uh, in, indulge in your, uh, your, your casual BDSM, uh, just related kinks. <laughs> Apart from that, it was a saw-themed saw room. So there was three oh, rooms. Trap. You had an hour to get out of them all. Um, the first one, you basically just had to find some keys and unlock the handcuffs, and because there was there was six of us, I was tied, I was handcuffed to a chair. My brother and my stepsister were handcuffed to each other, but they could walk around, and then the other people were all just handcuffed to the wall, and then they got a key above them, and they just had to find the key and then get out of that. And then and then it was all just basically equations and looking at letters on the wall. And find them. Yeah, it was weird, Ugh. really strange. I hate maths at the best of times. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, there wasn't anyone uh, handcuffed or keyed to a bath where they and the key, the, the the key. No, there was uh, a bath right get, next to me though. The key didn't go down the, the plug. <laughs> oh, I, I was panicking. Start off with when I when I saw where it was when I stood outside waiting to go in. I was like, okay, yep, this is not looking not looking great. Well, did, did you did you brush up on your uh, your saw? I guess. Uh... Uh, I've watched them quite often anyway, so I'm quite up to date with it as it is. So it's you... one of my favourite film series. Uh, the first one I hear is like is is pretty. I'm, I'm familiar with the first one somewhat. I hear it is actually good, and then the, the rest are all. The, mm. the, yeah, the longer, the further you get on, the the worse they progressively progressively get. Yeah, the 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 latest one that came out what, like two years ago. That one's all right. Was it eight? It's, it's very. Yeah, it's, it's like very predictable, but. It's it's not bad. Uh, not for spoilers or anything, because uh, if you, if, I mean, if you really want to, if you really want to, don't want to hear uh, saw spoilers, then, then skip ahead. But uh, this is your warning. But didn't didn't he die in the third one? Like flipping John Kramer? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I only made five more after that. It's all like pre. It's like pre films. It's like the prologues. Oh, and then okay. It loops back around, and then it, the first one is basically the last one. It's weird. Huh. It's, it's, very, it's very strange. Interesting. Yes. Okay, that makes sense. I was wondering why, how they how they did it. Yeah, or something like that. Anyway, yeah. one of the one of the early ones is the first, the class is the first one. It's like Star Wars type thing. Mm. And I assume you've, of course, you've played the uh, fantastic uh, Star uh, video games, as of, of course. I have not actually. Oh, there they are. Treat. Have you? I've yeah. not I've not played them myself. But I, I've I've watched someone else play them, and yeah, it's uh it's about as it's worth the money is it worth the money depends well it depends what you're spending that money for 
if you're spending it on, a, on, a, on an experience that you know takes you the likes of I don't know, say like Skyrim or uh, I don't know some other AAA title that's really really good, then no. But if you like a few laughs and something very stupid and silly, then not by not not, not, not intentionally uh, stupid and silly, just by nature. <laughs> then uh, yeah, yeah, work away. Yeah, it's. It would look, look looking at the right person play it, they can make the best out of a, a bad situation but they're certainly not the game yeah absolutely uh, not the game I would go and purchase myself but yeah, that's just me <laughs> anyways uh, we're here to talk F1 a quiet week of F1 do you know what this has been like, I feel like the first actually quiet week in a long time like there's no there's no in, like there's no sense like we had quiet weeks like not too long ago but like there's no inse- impending sense of doom in the sense of the Piastri stuff is done, cost cap stuff is done, titles are done, no other hangovers from previous races or whatever, or last year, for goodness sake. Uh, it's just a nice, quiet time of the year as the season's winding down. It's nice, isn't it? It's, it's, it's been long overdue. I think the last few podcasts have been like two hours, near, near enough two hours, and then this one is going to be a bit, a little bit different, I think. Not not the new normal programming we're, we're used to. Yeah, it's more so kind of there are things that there are small things that happened that that can lead to some conversation, but yeah, and other things we need to sort of like mop up. Yeah, that have sort of been there that not really mentioned type mm. thing. Uh, first one being that uh, obviously look, we all saw the well, I mean most of us saw the the Mexico City Grand Prix, and obviously Ferrari's pace was. Well, it wasn't one of the more talked about stories, but obviously it was it was a thing that they were very much kind of behind Mercedes and and Red Bull. And uh, there's a great there's a podcast on the the race that kind of went into it. But there's a written piece from Josh Suttle and Mark Hughes, uh, briefly going over the why it was for I struggle in the altitude, and why they have struggled in the altitude. Like we also the like you throw back to Austria earlier this year and. A track that's at a higher altitude than, not Mexico, of course, but one of the higher altitude tracks in Europe, I would say. Yeah. And how Ferrari, well, they they obviously won the race with Leclerc, but the other car, Carlos Sainz, his car caught fire spectacularly and he almost couldn't get out. Yeah, famously. Started rolling back. One of the more dramatic events of that first half of the season, I would say. Mm. Ferrari, I call it a compromise they had to make during the weekend. And that compromise... I'm reading from the the hyphen race circled around their engine and more so circled around their turbo, which is apparently smaller than the turbos used by its rivals. I'm just going to read from uh, the race where it says smaller turbos can generate as much power uh, as larger turbos by running faster and they need to run even faster when the air is thinner at high altitudes like in Mexico. The leather which Ferrari smaller turbo would have needed to run at would have put it at risk of a failure so it elected to turn down the power of the turbo. This stripped what had previously been an advantage away from Ferrari, as usually its smaller turbo requires less electrical energy and subsequently has a less has a significant acceleration advantage out of corners. We talked about that like uh, you know across the year about how in traction situations the Ferrari is the stronger between between it and its rivals. Oh yeah, the, even Max has commented how how insane they are pulling them away from corners it's mental when you're on board with them and you just see them just go mm. and this is the reason for it and that's why you know they're obviously concerned and look they have they have something to protect you know like they'd have to do a lot to throw away second championship but they do have to manage it nevertheless like a double dnf would not have helped at all you know they did still pick up what fifth and sixth was uh matt uh you did an escape room uh what 10 18 points yeah round that 
Hmm. But actually, you know, I think about it. Was it? I I didn't get to check this, but was that the first genuine race we had that like all top three teams finish in the top six positions? The first one that comes to mind, yeah. I, Not I where there's no, there hasn't been an incident or anything like that involved. They've all actually finished in that order. Yeah. Someone's not been out qualified or whatever. Yeah, I might have to check that as we uh, as we work on the fly I here. Think you but, are right. Uh, because obviously, the first few races it was like Aust- like Bahrain and Saudi Australia. There was one other time for one of the uh, for one of them, and Mercedes were slow to catch up. But I I'd have to check it properly. I, I won't do it here because I have to open like eighteen million tabs for the races. But I'm pretty sure that was probably the first time this season, if not the second time, that those top three teams have actually occupied the top six positions. Yeah, I think you are right. I'm going to check myself now. Mm, you can, yeah, you could. You're probably in the better position to check while I'm, uh, while I'm talking. But that, that was waffling. the reason. Yes, waffling. But that was the reason why uh, they were so off the pace. So going to Brazil, which we'll preview later. They've obviously it will be a little bit less of a factor, but still maybe perhaps a factor nevertheless in their in their fight with Mercedes on track. Yeah, it's it's very similar height to what um, Austria is, isn't it? In terms of altitude, so. I'm expecting sort of a, not as much of a difference as what it was in Mexico, but I'm definitely expecting things to be a bit, a little bit down on power, shall we say. It bodes well in one sense because obviously Leclerc won, and that's Ferrari's latest and last win so far this season in Austria. Ooh. But then the other the other car uh, obviously caught fire spectacularly. Yes. Going back to uh, the results for the top six, you, the I, first one I've found is Italian Grand Prix. As recently as that? Yeah, they were all there. Huh. Hmm, which is interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Uh, I, so first or second then. Yeah, second as it turns out. Interesting. I didn't think about that, but there you, there you go. So, yeah, that was just a small thing for Ferrari. Like, obviously, like, their pace was uh, obviously disappeared uh, in Mexico. So they should, again, and the drivers talked about it afterwards. They should. They, they didn't foresee it, that it would, uh, it would be an issue really for for uh for brazil it's good which is also um in turn why the onboards of the ferraris sounded like hair dryers that's right yes uh yes science's one in particular was uh yes very formula e which is science's future career path if he keeps carrying on the way he is (laughs) well he uh, Um, actually like i hadn't planned for this but like there's an article on racefans.net talking about like he wishes he could start next year as he currently is he feels like he's driving on top of his game he, he, yeah, he seems to think that he can take the fight to Max next year if he's given the car to do it, which is brave, I think. But I mean, he had the car this year to start. He just couldn't get on top of it quickly. And yeah, that's just science all over, though, isn't it? He's always very slow, and then comes better as the season goes on and gets to grips with the car. He just needs to be on it straight away. Next year, there'll be kind of less. There'll be fewer excuses to hide behind. It's, the regulations are largely, basically, all carryover. Yeah, and... this this was this year's a bit of a you can sort of give them a little bit of leeway because this is sure. a big change compared to what they were used to, where they could literally just flat out every corner. <laughs> yeah, so there's going to be a lot there's going to be a lot less excuses for drivers to hide mind next year with the if they struggle somewhat this year compared to next year, unless you're changing teams, of course. Of course, of course. Uh, speaking of, uh, there's been a few articles that kind of came out about during the week about quotes about Lando Norris and how he's talking. I know we briefly mentioned this the other week, I think, but uh, very briefly mentioned it, but talked about 
uh, basically, the, the comments this week kind of talked about, you know, Red Bull having spoken to Lando Norris and now Norris spoken to Red Bull. Uh, we, we knew, we kind of, we did know this when, back when the Norris extension was like, was signed, we knew that he was, there was two teams I believe he was talking to and we we could basically put on good good authority that those two teams were Mercedes and, and Red Bull. Yeah, because they're the only two realistic teams he could go to. That's right. And... But the kind of the quotes kind of came up again this week, talking about how there was chats between the two sides between Red Bull and Norris, uh, but that nothing came of it. Norris just called them chats, and that was all there was to it. Uh, Horner again just talked about it, and it was just a couple of times they talked to him. Uh, but he said every time we had we've had a conversation, the next day he signed a contract with McLaren. He's on a long term contract with McLaren, and looks like, looks like he's going to be there for a few more years. Um, talked about how like and the talk never never really went far. So this this isn't massive news. Like drivers and teams talk to each other all the time. You know, yeah. like even just not even like just casually and exploratory things here or there, perhaps. But just because the teams, just because teams are talking to drivers, doesn't necessarily mean that anything is inbound. Yeah, yeah, and of course, it's just everyday F one that is. Someone's got to be talking to someone somewhere. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and this is an exception. This is no exception. It does lead to a lot, a more interesting, larger conversation about Lando Norris, though, because he's obviously. You'd have to say now that Russell has got up to Mercedes, and you know, like science's improvement has earned him a driver Ferrari. Uh, Norris is like definitely the best. I mean, excluding Alonso, but obviously, look, but like long term future, Norris is the best driver on the grid outside of those top three teams. Yeah, and has been for a couple of seasons, mm. if not three seasons. Uh, and he would be the next in line, so to speak, for. A driver at a uh, you know a driver at a top team, but obviously nothing mm. is really open at the moment because obviously you okay, got. I disagree. What, 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 do you, what do you have? Who would you think is uh, in that conversation? Lance Stroll. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> uh, what do you mean? Aston Martin are going to be a top team next year? I, I hope for Alonso's sake, but Nor- <laughs> Stroll will not be the one to take them there. Foolishness. <laughs> I'd had to get that. Oh, uh, you're knob. Uh, so. Like obviously, like obviously, Russell got his bump up. Hamilton has talked about how he's probably going to sign a multi-year deal, so he's not going anywhere anytime particularly soon. Uh, science is an interesting one, but I don't, I, you know, it's, it's in his hands. You know, they're not going to turf out science for Norris. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, and unless Leclerc decides to leave to Red Bull <laughs> or something like that, then which would be wild yeah. in itself. Which I guess it's not out of the realms of a possibility. It's not, but I, uh, I can't see it. No, I couldn't not see it either. Not while Max is there. Not yeah. while Max is there. No chance. But obviously Norris is kind of stuck a bit and has to hope that McLaren improves. And that's obviously, that was the hope and the expectation when he signed that bumper extension was that they would. And so he was, what he signed this year for it was five years? Yes. To take him to 27. Now he's going to have to be patient because we 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 talked about it a few times this 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 year at various little points. Uh, McLaren's challenge is not so more so going to materialize next year, but more so they're focusing on twenty four and twenty five, but more so twenty four. Uh, that's when they have they have more in, better infrastructure in place at um at Woking as well as a and they're obviously building a state of the art wind tunnel which they sorely need. Yes, that's going to be huge for them. Mm. But it also puts a lot of pressure on them to get right in 24 because Norris is already kind of feeling frustration. Like he's talked about, there's a piece from the the hyphen race uh, by Scott Mitchell, ma'am, from October 19th, talking about Norris's pain and frustration and hurt about having to, you know, waiting at McLaren for it to be basically a, a team that can basically crack into the podiums and the such and, and race wins. 
it's you know he's going through this hard. Like we talked about it, he's going he's, he's going through this hard work now. They have to get it right at the start of twenty four, or at least be showing progress through twenty four. Yeah, he needs to at least be by twenty four on the podium consistently for Norris to even consider staying. Because I'm sure if he's on this same form that he's on now, any driver in the top three teams that's not performing will be booted out. I'm pretty positive, unless it's Mercedes. Because I don't think they're going to get rid of any of their two anytime soon, really. Yeah, unless... Not unless uh, something sort of like bad blood breaks out, really. Between that I'm or saying, if Hamilton decides to retire for a 25 yeah, or something. P- pretty much. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. So... Like I said, he's like he's the next in line. He's the one waiting, and it's up to McLaren to provide him with the machinery to do something with. Norris, I think, will give McLaren every chance. Just the same yeah. way I think you know, Leclerc would give Ferrari every chance to. to, to Just that loyalty, isn't it? You know, yeah. But eventually, it's... you know, as we talked about before, eventually you reach a point where you, Hamilton twenty twelve and, and these kinds of things where. And I guess Vettel reached a crossroads as well, where you just wanted something, something different, something new, a new challenge. Yeah. You eventually reach that crossroads where, like you know, you've got to make a decision. Yeah, there's no point hanging around. Just sometimes a fresh start is a lot better for yourself. As, as much of a, I don't, I don't think Norris will ever want to leave McLaren, because I think he he thrives in that kind of environment and he likes it there. But in terms of his career path to take himself further forward that he probably will need to leave if they don't have the car there by 2025. It's one of those things where, like, when Norris came into F1, he came obviously around, you know, like, when he came out well, 2019. So Leclerc had just made the jump from Alfa Romeo to, uh, or Sa- uh, Sauber, rather, at the time, uh, to Ferrari. Uh, Russell came in and a, and a, and a Williams. Uh, you know, there's drivers around it, like you know, Science obviously when he, when he was his teammate, obviously Norris's teammate, obviously for 2019, he's gone up to Ferrari and you know, Science has taken a win and some poles. Norris is kind of paying for it now. When he came into his career, he started in the best car of all those guys. Well, obviously Science, obviously, take take out Science for a moment because they started together. But uh, like Russell, obviously came in at the same time, worst car for three years. Now he's in the Mercedes. Uh, Leclerc is enjoying the fruits of his labour in, in a Ferrari and Sainz same as well Norris is kind of in that spot where he's got the, he had the same top end talent that those guys do but he's still in the same place where the others have been able to move themselves up the grid and some of that I think is his own fault personally Norris's? yeah committing to these big contracts I don't think was the best move personally Committing to McLaren, fair enough, but I don't think he needed to sign that long-term of a deal to put the other teams who could possibly interest it off of him. Because not being funny, there's going to be a big buyout in there if they ever want to try and get Norris out of McLaren. Mm-hmm. And well, you're talking more like 40, 30 million, if not more, to get him out. Do you reckon you know, that? Do you reckon that would go against like a fee like that? Do you think that goes against the cost cap? You would imagine so, wouldn't you? It should, right? If it doesn't, it should. Sure, they a contract by any sorts. It should, but I don't know if it's the top. Oh, I don't know how it works with the contracts in terms of what that will allow. Because obviously, a bit a thirty million bio is a big chunk of the hundred and forty million or whatever we right. get. So, unless this is what I mean, why would they spend? If it does come under the Costco, why would they spend that much money when Norris could easily just not? have signed a longer term deal and left in a couple of years time after 2024 mm. 
But like, no, like I mean, you know, like we, we, this is all stuff we mentioned and other people mentioned at the time when he signed the deal that you know you you could leave yourself potentially trapped if things don't go well. Now he's got every confidence that things will go well. And he says from this piece, for me, my confidence is in twenty four and twenty five. Until then, I have to play a little bit of, a, of the patience game. There's still time. Uh, there's still times when you could achieve, like with Daniel last year, last year achieving win. With me almost, uh, me almost uh, having a pole in Austria, pole in Russia, almost running in Russia. Those things can come along the way, like when Ocon wins and Gasly wins. Those moments can come, but until genuinely being in the position where I can say there's a there's no more excuses that we want to win genuinely rather than with a bit of luck, because certain things happen. That time is in twenty four. Yeah. So and if he's not not if the car's not there, he is gone. I'm, I'm not being funny. He, I, I've I've said a few times on the podcast that I I think Red Bull's dream lineup is Max and Lando, if, for a couple of years now, that that will be the perfect duo for them in terms of markability, um, drivers' actual ability, and then the team just coming out on top of that. That would be a lethal partnership. That would but, be the best lineup since since what do you reckon? Hamilton and Button. In terms of star-studded drivers, that is the best. Right. Duo. Yeah, two world champions uh, from the back from the previous two years, 08 and 09, yeah. continuing up in 10. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. I was trying to think of... Yeah, I, I was struggling to think of one, to be fair. That, that's the one that always springs to mind. Always. There isn't one where there's been a double team of champions apart from Kimi and, and Vettel. And obviously Kimi was in the latter stages of his career and was never really... Mm on the same level or oh, you got Alonso and Kimi I suppose but even then Kimi again was a bit just there not really doing much I guess the obvious one is Hamilton and Rosberg yeah but car <laughs> I mean they're both good drivers yeah they, they are I, I just yeah I just I just see the Hamilton and Button one as a bit more engaging fair enough uh, probably a more likeable uh Yes, definitely. Line up than Hamilton and Rosberg, uh, depending how you feel. But yeah, it'll be an interesting one for sure. And uh, so, yeah, with Norris, it's going to be interesting. I'm, you know, I hope for his sake and not Piastri's sake as well that that car is at least a bit more competitive, a little bit closer next year. Even if it's you know if it's if it's not fighting for podiums or whatever, that it's at least somewhat closer to the action. Like that's that's the hope. Like you know, Gunter Steiner talked about talked about this earlier in the year as well. Was that the longer these regs go on, the closer things should get. Yeah, and that's what it was in 2021. It was pretty close up and down the grid, really. Mm. And in 2020. So I, I like it when it's like that. But saying all this, if Lando was to leave ship in, at the end of 2025, shall we say, we predict now so we can look back in God knows how many years' time <laughs> if we're still doing this podcast... Where does he end up? Does do you think if the car's not really there, does he leave or does he stick with them? And where does he go? I think if it's not if it's not competing, I think he will leave because yeah, by that point he's in year seven. Yeah, that's uh, a long last time, you know. And especially when you're having tasted success so close so early in twenty and twenty one. Yeah. That's that's the thing as well. It's not like he hasn't been close. It, it, you know, it, he has come close a few times and is, is, can know what it's like to fight some of these top cars, even if it's not for very long. Like you look back to last year, how long he was able to keep Hamilton behind in Austria, for example. Yeah, and the yeah. yeah. 
uh, and obviously taking it to them, taking it to everyone uh, apart from Ricardo at the Italian Grand Prix. You know when that came up. Mm. So I think he, yeah, I think he will leave if it doesn't. They don't give him the car that he needs. And I, I, I'm consistent on this, and I will continue to be so. It will, I think it will be Mercedes. He is the, he is de- he ha- like, who else is going to be the successor to Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes? It can only be Lando Norris. No. Not Lance Stroll. <laughs> No, a guy who was being who's been given a Mercedes test drive, Graham. Oh, good old, uh, good old Frederick. Yes, Frederick Vesti. Yeah, that, that's that's who it is, hundred percent. Well, I think I he'll withhold the a... challenge, and then the, I think he'll withhold that challenge. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, I'm in a completely different boat. Well, you've been on I... the Red Bull camp for a long time. I have, but I'm 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 going off that track as well. I'm going off the very beaten track. I'm thinking a star-studded driver for the first lineup in Audi is a big sort of money gamble. Audi put all their money into uh, Lando Norris. That would be bold. That that would be (laughs) Hamilton-esque. That's what I mean. (laughs) It probably won't happen. He'll probably end up with Red Bull or Mercedes, like we've been saying, but that would be a very interesting uh, move to make. Yeah, it would be. Gosh. In uh, reality, they're going to end up with uh, Alonso and Science, but Alonso <laughs> is still going around. Do you, you think Science will be booed from Ferrari by then? I don't think booted. I think he'll want to leave. Really? Yes. Okay. Because he, well, I say want to leave. I, I, thought, I think it would sort of be like a mutual. He'll sort of be ready to leave and then someone like Bearman or Arthur Leclerc, lol, 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 will be uh, ready to move up in that time. And it'll be sort of that timeline where a new fresh face in Ferrari will be due. I know and what I you mean. I see that next person being Bearman, personally, hmm. depending okay. on how F2 goes. Yeah, because like we said, we said the same thing about Hauger last year. And we could be saying it this time next year, Bush. Speaking of Hauger, actually. Yes. Oh, yes. Ah. Might segue. as well add it in whilst we've got this segue going. What a segue. He's, uh, going to MP Motorsport, Graham. Very surprised. Well, I say surprising. I sent you an article a few weeks ago that I knew was a load of shite, but it was the um, rumoured testing out testing lineup for F2 in Abu Dhabi, and Hauger was penciled in at MP. Yeah, someone knew something then. Yes, so that's, uh, I say surprising, but it. It isn't at the same time because I think he probably do with moving somewhere else and sort of exploring these options a bit more. I mean, we've seen enough too, like with some some drivers moving to some teams and it just it just takes off. Like, what's the one that comes like Mazepin when he moved when he moved to uh, he was at ART first, I think, and then moved to high tech, and then boom, things started happening. Uh, who else Eilat. comes to mind? Callum Eilat, the first time, and then went to uh, you and I virtuosis. It was known back then, and boom. Was, should have won the championship by rights, but mm. you know. And yes, again, it's funny how this goes. For not winning the championship, he's probably in a better position for his racing career than Mick Schumacher is. It's so weird. Yeah, uh, being yeah. He, having a, having a good uh, good rookie season in IndyCar, so he so he has. Uh, obviously, I know well, obviously the obvious one that comes to mind, obviously from this year, is Djokovic going. You know, originally from uh, MP to. Uh, virtuosi and then back to MP this year and obviously has smashed the title uh, so it, it shows that for Hauger you know that it can be done if you're good enough and 
granted, maybe the grid, a grid shakeup of the grid will probably change the order of things a little bit. But you know, it shows that MP were there and they could, they, you know, they had the cards to do it. So that would be the hope for Hauger, that for, you know, change of scenery. And of course, he was with Primer for F three as well. So this will be kind of this will be new to him. This operation will be new. Yeah, he, he who was he with in his first season in F three because he wasn't with Primer. It's a good question. I'll uh, find that. Out. I, I want to say ART, but I think I'm wrong. I think, I think I'm very wrong in that. But I know he wasn't with Primer the first time out because it was Vesti in the in the Primer for the for them those two in the same group that came up. Yeah, there's also been a hell, a hell of a lot of um, F3 and F2, well, mainly F3 announcements for drivers. So we should start commenting on random ones here and there in the next few weeks probably not the f3 ones because nobody really cares about hey 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 there's some there's some already in some announcements from uh those who have gone made the jump from former regional european presented by alpine to f3 like gabriella mini so excuse me all right <laughs> i care yeah I mean, I mean like the like the the minnows i'm talking <laughs> about um, the big teams will, will definitely mention but people like enzo trulli i don't think anybody really cares except yano <laughs> No, I mean, hey man, I, I was I like Yarrow truly, man. I'm, I'm gonna I'll be rooting so do for. I, but I don't. Enzo truly is not really one that I'm rooting for as of this right now. <laughs> this is really gonna come back to bite me in the arse when he wins the F3 title this year, uh, next year. Sorry, uh, I believe he was how it goes with it looks like he was with high tech, okay. Uh, I couldn't find it on the official F3 site because it doesn't say what team he was with, but. Uh, from Wikipedia, it looks like he did some testing with high tech at least. Okay. Um, we did also get the F2 and F3 calendar this week. We did. The only real change is that Australia is in the mix. Uh, no yeah, Zandvoort it's... for F3, which is pretty rough. They've had really good races there. I don't really do like it. Uh, Zandvoort, to be fair, in F3. Yeah. But there's still, still, is that. Bloody gap in F2. I know. Monza, the 1st to the 3rd of September. And we get to November for Yas Marina for the last race. Why? <laughs> Just why? It's going to be weird doing Monaco before Barcelona this year. Very weird. Yeah, it's going to be weird. It was like it was like that last year when we did... Was it Italy before... No, Zandvoort before Italy. Because like, usually yeah. Italy follows immediately after... Um... He won in Spa. Spa. He wins at Monza Graham. Yeah. That's, that's the same. But no. <laughs> Can't do that anymore. Yeah, it's going to be a weird one. Hmm. Uh, that's all the F2 news anyway. Yeah, well, speak, actually speaking of, there was, a, there was an article on uh, the, the hyphen race from Scott Mitchell Mam talking about uh, Jack Doohan and uh, the failed yet fruitful Alpine 23 three pitch that began on Instagram. Now, you, maybe you've heard the story, but it goes that when uh, the Piastri things started, kind of fall, fell apart there and all that happened. Uh, Dewan sent a Instagram DM to Alpine CEO Lauren Rossi in the early hours of the morning. And an Instagram DM. Yeah, yeah, an Instagram DM. I wouldn't have thought that would have been the way to reach Lauren Rossi personally, but he, he's, he did reply to it at 3 a.m. You, you would imagine he would have some form of contact, surely, being <laughs> an Alpine junior. But no, that doesn't surprise me with Alpine. Really doesn't. Yeah, well, he slipped in his content at the bottom of the DM, apparently. Um, Dewan said he basically uh, this huge, long paragraph saying why I think I could be a candidate going forward. <laughs> but uh, since then, the article goes into how Dewan's thrown himself into the mix and, like, and how he's thrown himself into the whole, uh, into the whole role. 
uh, showing a absolutely incredible work ethic coming from uh, there is all sorts of things that he did, uh, there is described hold on let me yeah let me see if I can find find some of them but basically he had to he did a lot of traveling like you know he he's doing the race uh, somewhere and then hop back then to Endstone and immediately hopped over then to the US uh, you know like he's sitting on an engineering meetings and he's showing that that keenness that that uh, that you know that people really look for and uh, Alan Permain the uh, what it was shoot what's I forgot what Alan Permain's was. Austin director right. uh, thank you yes point director uh, talked about doing and look Alan Permain is a guy who does not shoot the shit like Alan Permain is straight to the point very, a serious guy uh, no shit no nonsense you have if you've you've, seen, you've heard his radio I'm sure with Kimi Räikkönen back in the day we told him to get the fuck out of the way. Uh, you maybe you even heard maybe the radio with Giancarlo Fisichella back in two thousand five. He was Fisichella's race engineer in two thousand five for Renault, and he tell basically telling Fisichella like, hurry the hurry on, like speed up, like how can you be this slow? Like he like and this is a guy who has won the race, the previous race. So like Alan Permine does not shoot shit. He does not talk shit. But what he said about doing was what presses me most about Jack honestly is out of the car. His preparation, the work he does behind the scenes. He'd never driven here and there. Um, sorry, he had never driven here and there hadn't been a plan for him to drive here. I think this is at Mexico. A few weeks ago, he was in Brisbane. This is why I was talking about that, sorry. Uh, a few weeks ago, he was in Brisbane doing some F2 sponsor commitments. Then we told him he was going to be driving in Mexico. He flew back to the UK, did a day in the sim, and then came onwards to Austin and here. So that's what impressed me the most, his preparation. There's no doubt about his speed. When he makes it to Formula 1... That would be a nice differentiator to him. I thought that was fascinating. When he makes it to Formula One, I, I think uh, I said. Well, I think we both said it. He was probably. I I would have put him in the car ahead of Sargent, but I think Williams's hands were tied. I think that if, if Alpine could have worked some deal out, Dylan would have been in that that Williams. But considering where Sargent is in the championship would have been a bit of a slap in the face if they had agreed. Right, and he's their junior as well. And, yeah, you know, they, so he takes priority. And they're in a place where they can decide who's in their car rather than needing yeah. a little bit of sponsorship help here and there. Yeah, but I, I like the fact that he said that because we were both sort of, when he was in F3, was a bit like, mm, wasn't really huge on good. him, yeah. Now he's in F2, sort of, spawn back around a little bit and it's like okay this kid actually might be the real deal here which again comes back to the point of why would you leave Red Bull there was the opportunity there this year you should have been in there you should have been in Alpha Tauri instead of Nick Vries but things changed in life very quickly so probably wouldn't have worked out that way possibly not like it is very easy to say like if, oh, if you're still a Red Bull junior he'd be in there and maybe he would be but maybe 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 he wouldn't be at the same time uh, it seems likely it would have been, given that DeVries was nowhere in a F, like he was basically trying to shoot for William Siege, basically, before Monza, and then things happened there. So it seems likely that maybe, you know, he would have been in the mix, but alternatively, you could make the point where, you know, maybe he wouldn't have made the same step under the Red Bull Academy that he had with the Alpine Academy this year. Yeah, probably not. Probably wouldn't have got the drive with you and I, with uh, Virtuosi. Probably would have been stuck in high tech or somewhere like that, so... Hmm. It probably all linked, all linked together, really. Uh, there's a piece on racefans.net talking about from uh, Ida Wood and Claire Costigan talking about uh, Dewan's role, reserve role. 
Omar Safnar said, uh, said, that decision hasn't been made yet. So for us to confirm that, I'm telling you it hasn't been made. First decision, then the announcement. Like my mother used to say, first the wedding, then the baptism. But that's an odd thing. Like, forget, forget the, like, but why wouldn't you confirm it as your, your, like, why would you, why, like, why, why is this a thing you're thinking about? Whether, like, why isn't he already named the reserve driver? Because they've got options on Mick Schumacher, Graham. That's why. And Nicholas Latifi. Uh, uh, Imagine. Imagine <laughs> Latifi is announced as their reserve driver and doing just like, hey, man. Sather said he was an impressive young man and they were grateful to have him in as part of our academy. Uh, he said uh, so this, this, this piece ends for the next year for next year regardless if he lands in an F1 role quote his focus will be to win the F2 championship well, what if he doesn't then what it's <laughs> a good question well the thing is he's not getting an Alpine for at least two years so no oh gee man oh, it's, it's, it's so really stupid it's it's, it's that long-term deal that which we have balked along, balked along about all season long, even last year for Ocon is really screwing them. He's mediocre Ocon, as I like to refer to him as <laughs> mediocre. Yeah, but then like, mediocre, uh, but then we we talked about before. I think like, why would you go sign a driver like another driver when you've got one that's I've one that could be your future as well as your present in in potentially doing if it doesn't work out like just do what Williams do or do like give him a run for a year see how it works out and if it, if he if he doesn't if he you know, if he doesn't swim in if he sinks rather than swims in F1 then you can make a move for someone else like Gasly was still going to be available at the end of next year I was just going to say Gasly wasn't going anywhere you know <laughs> they've, they've paid out for the short term when in the long term they've probably screwed themselves yeah again absolutely yeah. again they're Laurent Rossi, man, you're a you're a business genius. Honestly, I, oh, I love it. Yeah. The content you have given us this year, so it's really kept us going, and I appreciate. Oh, it so I appreciate much. it on one level, but I'm like my head is dying on the other. If if I could shake someone's hand, it would be his. <laughs> closely followed by Cyril's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, it's it's it is honestly a shambles, and I hope I hope he does win the F2 Championship to really put them in a conundrum. I really hope he does. You you know what I mean? Because like, what's what's what they're gonna do then? He's done what he's asked. Like Oscar did the same. Yeah, it's like you know, like go win the championship. Like we're not gonna expect you to win it, but like you know, like and if you don't win it, then we're gonna we're gonna you know we're gonna blame you for it. And then when he does win it, it's like, oh, they're, oh shit, we didn't really we didn't think he was actually gonna win it. So. Okay, can you go now racing supercars? Now what do we do? Go go race our LMPH program. You know that, that's what it'll end up being. Don't you do that? Someone you? will save him. Some like. Haas have talked about uh, like the reason the Haas's whole second driver thing they've talked about if there was a like like a loan thing is like they talked about if there was a driver that was up and coming like a Leclerc or like a Russell they would do that. They well, would, there is one. Uh, well, He's there. <laughs> you know, it, they, yeah, in theory, yeah, the Alpine should be pushing Haas for that. They should be. be. You know, if, like, if they're not sold on Hulkenberg, whatever, or Magnussen is very mediocre next year, or one of them is very mediocre next year, then. Surely, has decided to go and take a young protege on with a, an experienced driver. Yeah, they, that they, would make sense. They could take. They could have two seats open this time next year. I, I think they will personally, but they, yeah, I, I don't see Hulkenberg being a long-term option for them. But. No, neither Magnussen. To be fair, he like he helped in the pinch to get back in, but yeah, 
Yeah, and it was a sweet story, but it's not exactly been fairy tales the second half of the season, has it? Which is, I can't blame him entirely, but the car's not been there realistically, mm. and the a massive upgrade has really done magical things. <laughs> yeah. I have my fingers crossed for doing you know this year he has won me over I was not keen Same. and you would have heard in this podcast we talked about it, we talked about F3 last year was not keen did not like doing at all but something something changed this year where I swung around and I saw and I, I think ever since like I think coming my big takeaway from Spa is like this guy is ready for F1 this guy will be in the F1 at some stage it would be criminal if he isn't it will be criminal, and I'll feel very much like I do about Calamaro. Yeah. If he, if he doesn't make it. If he doesn't make it, then there is something wrong with the junior system. Or teams are just too stubborn. Yeah, I was going to say, like, maybe, like, there's, it's not like juniors haven't, aren't given the, given the chance. It's just Alpine, and this one thing with Alpine is how yeah. they handle their system is obviously just really, really poor. They don't give their drivers the chance, and when they do, it's they've, they've, they botch how they, hand, they, how they go about it, and yeah, it's a strange one. Uh, I hope Dune lands in the sea for 24. And I think he will. Somewhere. If it's if, not Alpine, t- somewhere. If Latifi can walk into a top team at IndyCar, then surely Dune can as well. If it doesn't work out. Mm. We'll, we'll, we'll see. But, you know, I think he I think he put himself in a genuine contention this year. Not just for even for the Alpine seat, but for the Williams seat potentially as well. Like, I do applaud how Williams are handling that. Like, Jos, Kip, uh, Jos Capito and, and Williams are handling that. They're just going to throw him in. Like, they, they you know, they're up to, we talk about the, the quotes that uh, Jos Capito said at Austin, but basically saying, you know, uh, doesn't, doesn't do any doesn't do any more good to hang around in the junior categories. Get him up as soon as possible because, you know, the, the cars compared to F1 and F2 are like buses, essentially. So get him in, see how he does, and go from there. They're not going to lose anything. Latifi's just getting lapped. So, yeah. you know and you know what I mean? If they get a driver in on the short, short term, like it was going to be with DeVries, then them not getting DeVries is a blessing in disguise, I think. Yeah. Because it will do themselves a lot better. As, de, as good as a, a, a driver as DeVries is, would have been for them, I think they could get a better driver in the long term who would stick around and believe in them. Yeah, and that's why I would have put Dew in the over over Gasly. Yeah, for so that, would I. For that ex- for for exactly what you've just said. Yeah, Dewan would have done what Alonso does, and drive for the team and push them forward personally. But Gasly will be there for to prove that he's better than Ocon, basically, because that's all it's going to be. Yeah, yeah. Gasly's got a point to prove next year, and he's going to do it, and I think he's going to go down terribly. For one of the two of them, yeah, you could have killed two birds with one stone and said you give doing the seat, and then you say to Espan Ocon, "You're our guy, you're our team leader, go for it." And maybe he responds incredibly well to that. Maybe he doesn't, but maybe he does. And, but I don't yeah. think he's going to have the same opportunity that with the, with Gasly and the team with, like that. No, he's going to want to uproot him essentially. Yeah, basically, that's, that's all it's going to be. You've got two alpha alpha males sat there who are both second drivers, the best. Yeah, well, I wouldn't go alpha. I would go maybe. They, they think they're two bases who right? think maybe they're alphas. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I mean. They're not quite there, but they're both second drivers at heart, really. They're, they're the color sciences of the grid. Just a few years younger. Yeah, like, don't get me, don't get me wrong. It's gonna be fun to watch oh, that far apart next year, but always gonna be hilarious. And we're going to watch. Lauren Ross's world crumble. <laughs> I'm going to laugh. It's going to be great. 
Uh, speaking of reserve, uh, more reserve news though, uh, for former E champion Stoffel van Dorn joining Aston Martin as reserve for 2023, uh, which obviously brings him alongside Felipe Djokovic as well. Which is, which is a surprising move. It's a strange one. Why would they sign Djokovic if they were going to sign Van Dorn? Obviously, I, I know Van Dorn's going to the, the role's going to be split. Obviously, Van Dorn's not going to be able to make every weekend. Mm-hmm. But Djokovic is going to be there every weekend, and has a super license. What was the point? Well, I assume I assume Van Dorn has a super license as well, but. Oh yeah, you know what I mean though. Why would you have two drivers on the payroll that can do the same job, but one's going to be there all, all the entire time, and the other one's not going to be there? Yeah, he's going to be there occasionally. Doesn't make any sense. It's not like it's like he's joining as a sim, you know, in a sim role or anything like that. I don't know. I think it's just a, it's just a favor from Mercedes to Aston Martin, or from Aston Martin to Mercedes. I think because obviously Mercedes pulling out of the Formula E program, Van Dorn is now no longer affiliated with uh, Mercedes. He's joining um, DS Penske for a Formula E. So, you know, that affiliation is ending, but I guess this just keeps him in the F1 loop somewhat. I guess, I guess it's just as a favour to Mercedes that Aston Martin are doing this. If we get to a point next year where Van Dorn replaces Stroll, I'm not going to be happy. Mm-hmm. I can't, can't see Mr. Stroll lose his seat <laughs> to Van Dorn. That would be criminal. If he's going to lose it to someone, please be bloody Djokovic, for God's sake. This whole thing, I don't think, is not about Van. It says less about Van Dorn and more so talks. It says what's going on maybe with Nico Hulkenberg. Yes, which I, I think this opens a door up because it basically confirms that you know like he's not he's not staying here. Um, you know. He's, yeah, well, he's, they can't have three reserve drivers, surely. <laughs> so I imagine that puts puts him out, but more so out because they know he's likely joining Haas. Which I've read on Twitter, so I take this with a pinch of salt. We will receive an announcement on Thursday. On Thursday, interesting, potentially. Yes, potentially. Mm. So obviously, take that with a grain of salt because it is Twitter F1 news, and it is normally ninety nine percent wrong. But Haas announcing a driver then would make sense, I guess. Then or Abu Dhabi the day the week before, oh the weekend of Abu Dhabi, which is on two weeks away. Yeah, I didn't realize it was a, this is a back to back to finish the season here. Yeah. Great, great organisation that from the F1 organisers. <laughs> just go halfway around the world again, you know, in the space of a week. At, at least Saudi to Abu, Abu Dhabi made somewhat sense. <laughs> it did, it did. That Which was is a, weird to say that so for a year ago. I know, that was a wild back-to-back, wasn't it? <laughs> One of the better yeah. back-to-backs, I would say. I still, I still maintain that Saudi race was the race of the year last year, I think. Yeah, he was up there definitely. Just with the te- the, the tension and the, the the stuff that was going on and the, all that, it was crazy. Yeah, I've never known tension like that. Oh, stop! Just absolute, just go for it. Do you know what I mean? Like first chance someone to win the like, title, t- go for it. Yeah, someone's like, oh, Hamilton's titles were close. No, not like that. No, <sighs> no nothing like that. I'm talking about the early Mercedes titles, though. By the way, on that one. Yeah, mind you, I, I say. Maybe Brazil 2008 was probably just as intense. Yeah, I mean, he was overtaking cars on uh, dry tires in, in on the wet track. Yeah. So this one's all Netflixified, so it's more intense. Mm, that's right. That's, how, got, that's how it works. You've got Twitter fans. Yes. Great. <laughs> By the way, very, very quickly, uh, I didn't realize F1 were in Vegas this, this weekend. Uh, just yes. doing some PR stuff and launching the whole event, I suppose. Anything there that... Off. 
Go on. Anything that caught your caught your eye? Anything someone said or anything you saw or? I saw a few things. I'm not going to mention one of them. Um, the fact that they drove a car through a casino, a live casino, pretty cool. Was, yeah, was was interesting. I'm sure the Karens of the world were not very happy about that. I'm going to be honest. I would also be if I had no interest in it. I would be very pissed off. There's extremely loud racing cars. Yeah, there's in... these six racing cars just <laughs> going through the louder V8s, wasn't it? Oh yes, it was. Yes, That's, they take the V8 for the demos. What's that truck doing in the middle of the casino, Graham? <laughs> That's what they would have said. I guarantee it. Uh, yeah, like why yeah. the extra computers being built to get this thing running? Where a V8 one is very easy to launch. <laughs> yeah, George Russell nearly binned it on the show run, which was funny. Did you like the neon lights underneath the car? I did actually. I thought it was I dark. Yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't have it in the actual races because it would look very gimmicky. But in the show run, it looked quite cool. <laughs> yeah, well, I wouldn't have it in the races because that's the last thing separated it from like Need for Speed or something. But it is very Formula E that. <laughs> oh, look at me and my neon lights. Yes, good one. Yeah, I don't have a main you know, thoughts. I just thought that was it was just happening over the weekend. So yeah, so there was only both Mercedes drivers and Checo was there, I believe. Uh, were there other drivers there? No, I think it was just them three. Well, no, Bottas is chilling around in Argentina, if you look at his Instagram. Looks great. Vettel was in Chile. Yeah. It's a lovely part of the, lovely part of the world, that, there, when you find the right spot down in South, um, South America, so... This is very nice. Somebody... Speaking of which... Yeah, well, yeah. Actually, yeah, let's let's segue into this. I was going to talk very briefly uh, about... Oh, oh, you, oh, sorry, this wasn't a Sao Paulo GP preview. Oh, we're it's, it's not. It's a, it's a mini segue. Okay. I see rumours, Graham, mm. of the Colombian Grand Prix on Twitter, which is uh, very bizarre. We don't need that. Yeah, it's a Colombian Grand Prix. There was apparently talks over the weekend. So, take it with a pinch of salt as well, but Normally, when this kind of thing pops up, it's sort of is coming from somewhere. Because I'm being funny. Who thinks of the Colombian Grand Prix without there being some form of reasonable source? And I've read that the Chinese Grand Prix is probably going to get called off again. Oh, lovely! Yes, because of they want no COVID at all in the country. So, one to keep an eye on in the next few weeks or over the off season, I guess. It's, There's no replacement lined up, apparently, as well. well they, they have time. They can go to mm. Colombia. <laughs> Happy days. Yeah, uh, France. Oh, God. <laughs> France in, like, what, March or April? God. Ugh. Anyways. Uh... <laughs> yes, back to the Brazilian Grand Prix of yeah. 2022. Yeah. Or is it the Sao Paulo Grand Prix? It's the Sao Paulo Grand Prix. Okay, which is interesting when we're in Brazil, but sure. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, different weekend this weekend because it's a sprint. It's a sprint. Yes. The sprint is back for one last hurrah after last year's. Uh, yeah, I think the sprint is only coming. Like we saw different tracks obviously earlier this year for the sprint compared to last year. I really think this is only coming back because of the sprint that happened last year here. It was only interesting because there was a rocket ship in the back of that Mercedes, a fresh rocket ship in the back of that, and it was cracked. no one defended oh, the wow. inside line. Like Norris, Sainz, they had no interest in defending the inside line to Hamilton into turn one or turn. Turn four. So, uh, but let's bring it back. So, I mean, it could be it could be good this year, given the cars. We're not quite sure. Uh, this has been uh, there have been races where it's been a little bit difficult to overtake here at times, as this track has become more of a power circuit in the hybrid era. Yeah. So it's it's strange that it's a power circuit. 
considering what you know, the downforce levels you need. But yes, power is very key around here. Given that sector one, you're on a for a lot of it, and sector three basically is entirely a straight, essentially. Yeah, except one corner. Mm. And no one's even classed that last corner as a corner, really. <laughs> it technically is a corner, but it's not. I mean, it's a bigger kink for a corner it's than just, turn two with Austria, for example. Yeah, it literally is. To be fair. So, obviously, one practice session, uh, and then qualifying on the Friday. Uh, that's at six. Uh, sorry, it's at seven o'clock UK, uh, and then practice two again. So weird they have practice after park for me, but whatever. And then the sprint takes place at seven thirty. Then on the Saturday, with the Grand Prix taking place at six on the Sunday. So, I guess I'm just looking forward to seeing how these generation cars get on here, just like any other track, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, because last year it was a procession apart from Lewis overtaking everybody. They literally you couldn't overtake because, yeah, unless you were on softs or mediums, it, there was any difference really, which sort of, it, it, it really was, from what I remember, it wasn't great. So hopefully this year we might get some form of correlation as to the differences made in the cars. Yeah, the only thing I remember from last year's race was the Hamilton Verstappen thing at turn four. Yeah. Other than that, like 2019 was pretty eventful. Um, Don't know what you mean. With the, uh, yeah, well, Alex Albon doesn't know what you mean either. Nothing happened in 2019, (laughs) Graham. That race did not exist. Nor 18. (laughs) Ferraris were perfectly fine. Nothing happened. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, that was fun. So look, I would, I would just like, I would, I think a good success would be just be to have a, just a solid race here because this race has been since the hybrid era. This race has struggled at times. Like there was, a, there are a few exceptions. Like twenty sixteen was a good one, but uh, twenty seventeen was pretty much a snooze, and last year wasn't wasn't the most spectacular one either. So I would just like a good race. Uh, just yeah, I like the, the titles. You know, that's all wrapped up. Of course, titles are all wrapped up. Just obviously, we just get to see how like uh, Perez takes a five point lead ahead of Leclerc for P2 yep so interested to see how Ferrari bounce back yeah, hopefully they do but probably not it'd be interesting <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if they stuff each other into a wall <laughs> it'd be interesting to see like you know how much they go back up to the pace and how Mercedes maybe fall off a little bit because obviously their their drag issues are going to be a bit more prevalent here than they were in Mexico given the altitude of the air and that kind of thing so they may fall a bit back to earth here will Mercedes yeah, this will probably be a, a big test because if they don't fall back, then it means they're there, doesn't it? Really? Um, well, the people are not sure, but because uh, Bonato is not worried about Mercedes upgrades here, because uh, just in general, because you know they, he said that they're so they're so upgrading their car, whereas Ferrari are not. And uh, even Toto Wolff went yeah. ahead to say this week that they're months behind the others. Is it strange that they're still pouring money into this car? It's very strange. I don't understand why. I know some of it is purely for 2023 research, but I don't, I don't get it. They, they could have turned the season around just by bringing back the side pods. You know, I've just seen that sort of article a few times where if they sort of actually just realised they made a mistake by doing the no pods, they would have been there or thereabouts. I would have had the data there for next year pretty much ready to go. But hindsight's a wonderful thing. Do you think they should have done what Aston Martin did at Spain and just do the Red Bull ones? And this move from yeah, there. basically, they, it, once they realised it was the wrong thing, they should have immediately right. We've got a basic design for the car from pre-season testing, the first generation W13, shall we call it? Sure. Um, 
go back to that and just upgrade the car from there because that was probably the more in-line design with what everybody else has done because obviously we said at the start of the season there's going to be someone that does something completely different to the others and it's either going to work or it's not and this one just hasn't worked and the Red Bull one has worked and it was completely different to mm-hmm. everybody else's same with Ferrari yeah to be then, fair we've had three separate designs and two of them have worked and one of them hasn't mm-hmm. so should have abandoned ships a long time ago but going back to the Sao Paulo Grand Prix I personally don't think they'll drop too far back they won't be second fastest car I don't think on qualifying base at least but I think they'll be far enough in front of everybody to be where basically Ferrari was in Mexico where they're just no man's land it probably nice. pick up a podium because Ferrari <laughs> can't take themselves seriously hmm let me try to see uh, did Russell take his penalty yet uh I don't think so He's he's gotta be due one soon, right? If he like unless he gets to the end here, but I know they're on about taking a new PU with science again. So might be a place to do it. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, yeah, I don't, don't think they was gonna do it regardless. For data purposes. Yeah, possibly. Uh would be a would be a decent shape. So we'll see how they get on and I yeah, I, I do expect Ferrari to be a bit close to Mercedes. I'm not I'm not sure myself where if they'll be ahead of them again or because you, you like you bring up a good point, it is it like that at this stage of the season, that Mercedes is it's a more developed car now, that Mercedes than the Ferrari and Red Bull, who basically, basically, you know, obviously will stop their development for this car. Yeah, which is why we've got such a, a weird balance of them being so close when in reality they probably wouldn't be this close. If the title fight was still going on, I think Ferrari and Red Bull would have kept going, but I think they both realised. Certainly, yeah. Well, probably, are you talking like Monza time? Probably development was turned off for both cars, I would say probably a decent time to do it there's still a what two thirds of the way through the season at that point no point spending any more money on the car at that point yeah if they had a, an honest look at the standings they would have yeah if they could have, they probably would have seen that both of them were probably probably lost to them and they, their resources would be better directed into next year than than this year but yeah see how they get on uh, obviously interesting to see the latest in the Alpine McLaren duel of course, just yeah. uh, just six points. Sorry, seven points separating those two with an Alpine's favour. I'm looking forward to see how Fernando Alonso gets shafted this week. Got to be a grip penalty this weekend, surely, right? <laughs> you would imagine so, which then will end up in, in that engine blowing up or something like that, or he'll get taken out in the traffic or get some form of damage. So, yeah, all in the world of Fernando Alonso. Mm, can't even use the sprint to, uh, to, to mask that. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's going to be weird, isn't it? Because he's actually going to have to... Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah. So... Oh, dear. I enjoy... forgot about that. Yeah, enjoy that. Uh, so there's that. So I'm interested to see how Ricardo, you know, if you know how he gets on after his best race of the season last, in terms of uh, his competitive pace, uh, last last week, or the other weekend in Mexico City. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that translates because Ricardo could do himself... I know he's out on the way out. He's not going to have a drive for next year. He can do himself a lot of good here with with some some solid races to end to say, look, when I was comfortable and with the car, I was putting these good results out still. I still have it. The ones in the most recent memory are the memories that people tend to stick with, I think. So if he can leave the, a good taste in people's mouth before he exits, then learn to do himself some good, won't it, I suppose? Mm, and I suppose, uh, look, Hulkenberg coming back would also help his cause a lot. <laughs> yeah. But saying that, whenever he's had one good race, it normally doesn't go well the next race. 
So we've always said, oh yes, he's had one good race here, but we get our hopes up and then it's sort of not going back to reality. Yeah, 17th. So hopefully that isn't the case, but and hopefully that car sort of is found what he what he needs to do with that car, only taking him what twenty two races or whatever <laughs> it is to find it. Yeah. yeah, that'd be that'd be so ironic, wouldn't it? It's uh, God. Uh, just going back very quickly, do you think do you think there's a chance that Red Bull may let Perez win the sprint if he's up there? No, just for the extra points. I don't know. How popular do you think that win would be? Do you think a Checo win in in South America would be would be a popular, be popular. one? Carly, Definitely. right? Definitely. Maybe not as popular as flipping giving Felipe Drukovic an outing in FP one in Brazil here, but no, that would make too much sense. So F two here would be so good. It would be, wouldn't it? Stuff about Abu Dhabi. This would be a great finale. It for would F2. be. It really would be. Now I think we do get some good Abu Dhabi races in F two. To be fair, we get some we do, very we do, decent but, ones, but yeah. I just think. Just the nature of the track, it would just invite so much. For saying that, could you imagine if terms of here. In terms of stalemates, if the if there was a DRS train, it wouldn't be great. But I mean, no different to the others DRS trains we get on in places. I mean, we, like off we get some good racing in dual categories in Austria, and heck, that's just yeah. But DRS. people just don't care there. <laughs> For some reason, the the hills of Austria does seem to bring their three tight their three races to life. The, to life. the hills just, they hide the driving standards from the rest of the world. They really do. They are hilarious. Uh, yeah, world F two or F three round here, please. I would love that. Fuck Australia, man. I don't. Care. I know, Fuck. right? Australia was not going to be a good race for them. Why take them to Australia? I think it might be a good race. To be fair. It might be, but I would prefer them in Brazil. I won't lie. Oh, Brazil yeah. It also helped just, to, you know, break up the calendar a little bit. I know it's only a week, but it gets something at the end. Well, at least it's not. It wouldn't be two months then, Graham. It'd be a, a month, month and three weeks. Three but weeks. we get at least you know, two races in there. So a bit closer. Yeah. Just race in Brazil for the season. I don't mind that. <laughs> they can race it backwards, sideways, in the wet, whatever. So. Yeah. So, yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, not F2 of Brazil, sadly, but uh, yeah. So what else are you looking forward to at the uh, Sao Paulo Grand Prix here? Alfa Romeo, actually. Yeah, so I was, was going to say the same. Is whether this will be another test to see if their upgrades are actually working, because it's a very different track to um, Mexico. But I, I assume it's basically the same characteristics deep down, so maybe they'll be up there again. I don't think they'll be quite as close to out-qualifying a Ferrari, but if they could take the fight and sort of put the cat amongst the pigeons with the McLarens and the and the uh, Alpines, then that'll sort of get their backs up a little bit and give uh, Alfa Romeo a bit bit more to to go off, I suppose. So you think by saying characteristics, you think the same problems that limited Ferrari in Mexico also would have limited Alfa Romeo in Mexico too, and that is why they weren't able to turn Keep their good qualifying race, yeah. result into a better points finish. Yeah, basically. Mm. So hopefully we actually see the true potential of the car rather than or not the toned-down version that we got with Bottas suddenly just got points. Just, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing that for sure. I, I also look forward to seeing the bounce back from Aston Martin because they obviously yeah. they were the fourth quickest car in, in, in USA and obviously that plummeted very much in Mexico. So I mean, You could say it took off. Yeah, you could say that. Uh, 
So I guess somewhere in between, possibly, for this one. Yeah, yeah. It'd be another good try for them to get a sort of realistic idea of what they've, what they've done, whether it's right or wrong. So they, they seem to have turned a corner in terms of the actual car. Hmm. So I imagine this probably might be a good try for them, you know? Yeah, could be. I think I think the one they should, I think Alpha may need to really make hay here because I, I something tells me like I've based on nothing of course, but uh, there's something that tells you that Abu Dhabi could be a good one for Aston Martin, could be yeah. a good one, and they're only four points behind. Uh, they are for a sixth, uh, so I think anything that Alpha Mayo can get here would really help because something tells you that they will be good there. That Aston Martin will be good at Abu Dhabi. If if Aston Martin shit out of the way to a sixth place in this championship after the start they had, then I'm sorry, stuff something needs to be done. It's, it's uh, broken the cost cap. I'm sorry. They were ninth for about a good eighty percent of the season. I feel like the team that has been knocked out the most in Q1, apart from Williams, finishes sixth. I will not be having them finishing sixth. I'm sorry. There is some illegal illegal stuff going on there. But if they finish, like, forget even finishing sixth, they finished these last two races, like, as the fourth quickest car and had the fourth quick car for three out of the last four races. Then that's that's something. That, that just shows you something else entirely after the start they had uh, this year. Yeah, it, it really does worry me that if that's if that's the progress they've made, then God help us. If I, I can't be doing with Orange Stroll having a car at the front of the grid. I can't. Yeah, but... I could do with Fernando Alonso having a car at the front of the grid. Yes, yes, that's the compromise. But <laughs> I can't be doing with having Lance Stroll making it, prolonging his F1 career. I'm sorry, I can't. Uh, what else are you looking forward to at this, uh, this this race this weekend? Any driver or I, I guess, Williams I guess... and Haas are relevant to me at this point. Not even Haas in their battle for eighth place ahead of Alfatari. I one mean, point? is it a, is it a battle? It's the difference Hassel between eighth and ninth. Yeah, Haas will fuck it up. They're ahead of the moment. Mick will probably be P2, and then they'll pit him for hards with two laps to go, something like that. Someone to shaft him. <laughs> so Magnussen gets a point. Someone, someone to make Magnussen look better than Mick, even though it's been the complete opposite. You know, and then blame Mick in the, in the post-interviews and stuff like that. Uh, in reality, I, I, if they if they are quicker than Alpha Terry, then that'll be a huge... Huge win for them, but I don't see them being in the fight for points. It just doesn't seem like a track that Haas will go well at personally. Williams will probably be a pain. Yeah, I think so too. I think I'm curious about Albon's Williams at this race. I really am. Let's say it's a power circuit, and what has Williams' main trait been this year? Mm -hmm. Power, straight line speed. So he's going to be a pest, and there's going to be a lot of train. There's going to be big, big train behind him. I will say. Yeah, you're gonna yeah. have to hope to get a good one out of John Sao, otherwise you're 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 not you're in bad shape. <laughs> mm. Also, looking forward uh, to seeing probably bring the hardest range of tyres this weekend. Well, there are rumours that the, the forecast could be could be wet. I don't need a wet race. I've had enough wet races this year. <laughs> but, you know what I mean? Well, these tyres, yeah. After Japan, I've had enough. <laughs> Well, what's the point? It'll be full wet and they'll start on Inters. What's the point? Yeah, look, we've 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 talked about the... we've talked about it, but yeah, that I'm just not not interested in wet races anymore. Yeah, I'm which, and until they bring a better compound, I'm I'm similar. Like not full. Like I like the wet where the intermediate is clearly the wet. Like we got we got a decent one at Monaco, for example. Once it once it got going. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And when it's Inters conditions, great. When it's full wet, absolutely not. Hmm. 
you know, and we we had a decent little race in Japan on the inters as well, but not on the full wets. I, I agree. Like, and that's the thing in Brazil. Like, I mean, you get you get a, you can get a gentle coating for inters, but sometimes when it rains, it pours. And yeah, yeah a full a, a race on the full wet tire just should be interesting to no one really. I'd like to be proven wrong, please. But I'm given what we know about that Pirelli tire, the wet, the, the extreme wet. Yeah, count count me out for for that. That would be a unless we get like a a Vettel or Alonso charge. By the way, that was like I don't be, people get lost in the like Max twenty sixteen at Brazil is a is is obviously a, a great drive from him. But uh, people forget that like like I think Alonso pitched it, like he was like way out of the points. He pitted for a similar strategy that Max did, and like somehow got tenth in the McLaren Honda. But you, you mm-hmm. know, it just goes under the radar because it was in the McLaren Honda. <laughs> Nobody likes to remember the McLaren on day for some reason. No, don't know why. Yeah, I can't imagine why. Uh, hmm. So predictions. Uh, unless you have anything else. Uh, what are you doing? Sprint and then the main race might as well. Ah, uh, sure. Why not? I'll just do top three for sprints. Yes, sprints top three. I will actually give Checo, Max, and Hamilton for top three for sprint. <laughs> I love the confidence of Ferrari. I really do. Yeah, yeah. It's hard. I am going to go Max Charles Checo for sprint. Okay. And your race? Race top five. So we will go Max Checo Science Charles Hamilton. Interesting. Science with a fresh PE, by the way. So that's the first. Oh, okay. That's the third. Third. Sorry. I will give Max Checo, Hamilton, Leclerc, and Russell. Mr. Consistent, yeah. Mr. P5, yeah. <laughs> uh, obviously, like, just because I think, you know, Verstappen has a chance to get 16 race wins here this season. By the, Which, by the way, like, there, I think, like, Obviously, like you know, you talk about drivers who accomplish stats like this, and you think to Vettel's RB, th- uh, not thirteen, was it RB thirteen? Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Yeah, maybe it was RB. I'm not 14 sure. It was the first generation of the hybrid. The yeah, you're right. RB thirteen, and you have um, you know Michael Schumacher's F two thousand and four, and but like, I don't think this Red Bull should go on a list of all time great cars. Like in terms of like that in that way, I just think. Verstappen has just made the difference between himself and, say, the Ferrari, which is you know, right there, thereabouts for the first thirteen or so races. Yeah, you're probably right. If it was just this car pure dominance the entire season, then he could definitely put it on his on his list on its own with the iconic cars of Formula One's past. But yeah, it's a very good car. I just, I just, it's, it's like the Mercedes, isn't it? I, there isn't apart from the W11. There isn't. A Mercedes car where I'm like, okay, that car was insane. The W11 is the best one out of the lot, but it doesn't quite meet the levels of the RB13 or the F2004. Wait, which one was the W11? 2020. 2020. Like, oh. No, 2021. 2021. 2021. We're on the W13, we're on the W13 now. Oh, because so, honestly, I see the W10 as a better one than the. I know than the W W11. And I would have the W O six, the twenty sixteen one. Yeah, that is a good one. That is, I I still think that is the best car that they like. 
Yeah, in terms of results and percentages of wins and stuff, that is on paper the best, their best ever car. I think that's their. I, I like. I, honestly, it's not the like. Obviously, because like seventeen, obviously new regulations that go faster. Then eighteen was a very good one, uh, and obviously then back to twenty. Like nineteen and twenty-one, obviously they're like there's the same but different in a sense. So like they're slower because obviously mm. nineteen they, they simplified the front wings and twenty they simplified the floor, they changed the floor stuff. But that twenty sixteen one, like. That like I know twenty fourteen was a very good one as well, but like twenty sixteen, I just thought, yeah, that that's. I look, you know me, I do not like Mercedes, not a fan, but that car, that twenty sixteen car is, just, it is. If it, you could make a case, it's F one's best car. They legitimately could cool. have won twenty one of twenty one races. Like think of the two races they didn't win, <laughs> you know. Wow. Uh, no, what happened? Crash no. each other out there, and. They didn't win in Malaysia. And the only reason they didn't win in Malaysia because uh, Rosberg was punted off at turn one by Vettel. And oh, then, no, no, no. Yeah, then obviously Hamilton's engine blew from the lead. Um, <laughs> again, like the, the, the one, the one, yeah. the one counter-argument you could make is that they shouldn't have won Monaco. Yeah, they shouldn't have, but, you know. But that's 20 out of 21, if not. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... I don't know. And it has a difference of like compared to 2014, where like you know everyone was now like no, that was year three of the hybrid era, so like it wasn't if it wasn't just like one year like you know it wasn't just like people people had some time to try and get their act together. Yeah, and they still and yeah, it was, so I just think that car was levels above the rest of them in terms of in terms of uh, in terms of the cars. But yeah, I just I don't think the Red Bull uh, will should go on an all time list here. No, but if this car is like this from the get-go next year, and it's like it all the way through, then we're in trouble. Yeah, and then we're talking about Verstappen passing Senna, passing... Could he, oh, gee, like... Yeah, piss past Prost. Yeah, like, what, what, like if he wins there. these last two, that puts him on 35... Uh, 36. And Prost is on 51? So he'd need to win... 15, 16? Yeah. So we need to do exactly the same again pretty much next year. That would be scary. Jeez, that would be weird. That would be scary. He'd be four full time. That is ridiculous. And he just turned 25? Yeah. I don't see that happening. I don't see... Honest. No, I, 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 in a sense, I hope I it doesn't that. because I don't... Yeah. You know, it's it, this it, this this post-Mercedes dominance is nice. And I wouldn't want it to go back to that. Uh, so certainly from Mercedes side of things, but, you know, I... I, I don't mind Max winning the tile. If there's a fight, you know, you do reach a point where, like, a year or two dominance from somewhere else, you think like, that's it's good because, like, look, we this flip side is we just went through seven years of nothing but Mercedes essentially, and that it was exhausting. It was like it was honestly exhausting. Um, yeah, and we don't need to go back to that. It's a few, a few, a few years of it, like, something different is nice, but then if it happened next year again, I and if it happened again in twenty four after that, I'd be like. I would be, you know, obviously I would get bored to an extent. Like, I would, can we, can we see something else as well? Yeah, I would be basically how I was with Mercedes. Yeah. I'd be like, okay, I'm, I'm done with this. Unless it's Ferrari, then I'm all for it. But that's just because I've had to wait so long. And look, Stefano Domenicali is talking, like, is, is, is expect, like, a confident expectant of a much closer title fight next year. He's talked about that very recently. Yeah, this was always going to be the case, I think, personally. There, there was always someone gets it right straight away mm. and then the other teams play catch up and then boom the next year I, I i honestly believe we'll have a three-way fight in terms of teams for the title next year i'm honestly all there for that 
like generally speaking, like, you know, the first year someone gets it right, like very right. Like we saw this with Braun in 09, uh, Mercedes in 14 and Red Bull here. Now, obviously, Mercedes, like, again, it took seven years for everyone to catch up to Mercedes, essentially. Well, well, let's say seven, well, sorry, like, no, someone four, else to win. It really years. took until 2017 for someone to actually catch up, so to speak. And that was mm. Ferrari. The Ferrari was the quicker car that year. I will still go to the bat that 17 wasn't ready. 18 definitely was. Yeah, that's fair. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, you could get into it. But, like, but we saw in 2010 how like three teams then did emerge for a title fight with their drivers in McLaren, Ferrari and Red Bull. Mm. So I know we didn't see under the hybrid era for like in, in, in the second season of that in 14, but very different circumstances this time around with the engines. Like everything is pretty much set. Mm. It is just getting your car philosophy right, which is what it should, like it's what it should be really, That's, you know. Like, like yeah. this, this, the engine formula thing for like it took, it took so many years for everyone to catch up. Um, so I'm confident that yeah, things should be closer next year. And the fact that we did get such a close fight for most of the year in terms of car competitiveness rather than points gap, so to speak, you know, like Ferrari was right up there with Red Bull in terms of pace for the first 12, 13 races. You know, we don't always get that as such a major regulation change. No. So I think there's there's enough to be encouraged by from that point of view. Yes. Also, Graham, Mozilla, 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 Mozilla. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, Already. Had to be him. Because um, he always does it against Spurs. Uh, right. Anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? But Verstappen is, did just turn 25, by the way. So. Yeah, mental. I do have some else to add. Yeah, let's do it. It was it was the MotoGP finale today, Graham. Oh, that's so. right. Yes, I did see. Yeah, there was some interesting. Yeah, I, you you explain. I did see some interesting stuff on Twitter, but uh, you you go and explain this. Yeah, a ninety-one point advantage turned over, which is nuts. I've never seen that big of a gap. Now, what's over. the what's the point scoring system for MotoGP? It's very similar to F1, very similar. But I think it goes, instead of it going from like 25 to 18, it's like 22, 20 type thing. And it, I think you get points like down to 14th, I believe. Because there is a lot more riders mm. than there is drivers. But um, it was Ducati's first title in 15 years. Right, I actually did see this since, I, I do know one of these, since Casey Stoner. Yes, since Casey Stoner. Yeah. Now I'm I'm not that massively into MotoGP, but I I have been watching it this year, and say a 91 point advantage in a bike that wasn't it was basically not developed engine wise for like three years and was leading the championship by 91 points, and then somehow after the summer break, Ducati sort of pulled out the best bike I've seen in a long time. It did everything. It is it is nuts, and Bagnaia won the title which is nice to see um if you could make an f1 comparison to what that was like what that was like you can use different seasons how would so you was, describe that title it was basically up? hamilton coming back against vettel in 18 pretty much you would have said this is post germany if you before germany that title is vettel's to lose in my opinion Coming after Germany, which I equate the summer break in MotoGP to be, it was utter dominance. They Ducati won five races in a row, which hasn't been done in a long time. So, yeah, unreal. Unreal. 
did see, yeah it would make a good documentary on amazon next year i'm pretty sure it's going to make a very good documentary in, and it's going to make a very good um rivalry i think because those two are very young Quattararo mm. uh, and uh Pekka Bainaya, so it's uh setting itself up very nicely i might have to watch that series on amazon it's, it's worth it honestly for what for how, how long it is it's only 10 episodes mm. so it's does sort of get you into the groove of it a bit more. It's, it's, it's very interesting. Uh, did you want to talk about F1 Esports at all, or would you prefer to leave it? I might as well mention it. Very, the, the, very the, tit- the, the title battle that we thought was two drivers is now five drivers. So yeah. I'm, it's, it's all turned on instead. I'm annoyed that Opmir won those two races, just because I, I just want someone new to win it, and it looks like we're finally going to get it. And now he's firmly, and now he's got a lot to do to make up for it still. I, do, I don't think he wins it. It's just a lot, a lot to do, and I think the the FPS glitches had a lot to do with that. So we'll take that into into consideration. I'm also people were abusing that. I'm also disappointed we have to wait till like mid December now for the next event. Yeah, but it was the same for last event. But this this is the first year where I've actually been actually interested in it, which is surprising. Yeah, I think they've we talked about some of the real changes they've done. Like they're obviously doing fifty percent races now, which is much much better. Um, more relatable. Definitely, so. especially certainly in the league racing community for sure. And uh, yeah, like yeah, I I'd love obviously look we I would love Barry to win it. So would I, but I don't think he will. Uh, who do you think is who you think is going to do it? I I think yeah, I think yeah uh, yeah. Who do you, who do you think is going to win it? I'm going to say the same thing. It's Ron Haas to lose. Personally, he, he's just too good in qualifying to uh, sort of put himself not in the position to win it. Don't want Rasmussen to win it. Don't like Rasmussen anymore. Especially, no, just didn't like it from start. And then, especially not after what he did in Mexico. God, that was awful. That was rough. He, he got away with lightly with that. Yeah, very lightly. Just chucks you up the inside. Very, very uh, open lobby F1 tough type stuff. So, but yeah. Yeah, I'm interested. I, I hope Barry does it. He had a good event. So did some of Ronner. Obviously, Opmir's got that. Got those two wins. Uh, Blakely has to sort out qualifying, otherwise he's needed big, big trouble. Yeah, yeah. The, him and Rasmussen did not have a good, a good event three at all. No, feels like Which it's better to be the really chaser happened. than the chased in F1 esports. Yeah, pretty much. Like, you basically a sitting duck at the front, pretty much. That's how it's always been. About them games go down, it just doesn't work being at the front personally. Yeah, I feel like the pressure maybe is getting to Blakely a little bit, but yeah. That's the commentators refer to that quite a lot. Do you like the uh, the broadcast and that kind of thing for the F1 esports? It's not bad. It's not brilliant, but it's not bad. Yeah, Alex Jakes is certainly taking it forward a step. I think. Oh man, yeah, he's great. It's yeah. we, get, we get to see casual Alex Jakes, which is great, and then like he turns it on for like a minute or two at the end of qualifying, and yeah, you know, he like does. he's he's such a pro. Like, I have love Alex Jakes. Uh, he, 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 I think it was for the second race or the first race. He'd just done an award ceremony and then walks in and was basically saying, "I'm hungover. I'm not really in the mood to do this." <laughs> <laughs> but like he's, you know, he's very laid. Like you, get, you see, he's very laid back. You know, he, he loves. You know, he, you know, he's got a good sense of humor. Can take the piss. And then when 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 it was time, he just for that minute or two in Q3, you know, just. Uh, just switch, turns on the switch and goes into Alex Jake's commentator mode, and it's 
yeah, it's a it's a great balance. I so I, I think they I think the broadcast is better now that they know what they are. Really. Like, there's no point just getting in people like Johnny Herbert and that kind of thing. Um, they don't need them people. No, like what they have now is good. Like they've got good they've got good banter between between them, a good rapport. Um, they and they do like have a good time and take the piss, but you know, especially in qualifying, especially it's it's good fun. So I think now no they, doubt they, they'll change in eyes, though. Yeah, more than likely. But like they know what they are, and now more so like than than what they were at the start. So I think that really helps. Just knowing, it's just knowing what the you identity. Are, yeah, yeah, you know, hmm. a bit like us. I guess you're so. Graham and I'm Luke. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, or <laughs> I don't know why I'm actually not thought of that for. Yeah, I'm just saying, like I'm, you know, an hour and twenty minutes. And, you know, I'm glad we established we that we know who we are. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's Didn't it then. It, yeah, I don't have yeah. anything else to add. So that's good for this week's edition of the Switchback Formula One podcast. It's a bit more laid back this week, but uh, yeah, why not? Yeah, we'll change next week. We know sure. what we are. We we know what we are absolutely. Uh, I've been Graham. I've been Brazilian Luke. Yes. Well, I'm going to go down and wrap a hole there what Brazilian Luke is, but that's yes, better. Yes, I'm, I'm, you do not need to go down that Better scurried out of that hole. I, and, I have, uh, yes. <laughs> and we shall see you next week. Bye.